Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory at StevensCreekChurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Guys, good afternoon. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. You probably see I've got some beautiful people on stage with me. How about a hand for these amazing Creekers? They've, uh, they're amazing. You'll see what, why they're here in just a second. Uh, before we get to that, we're in the final week of the Armor of God series. I've had so much fun. I hope you have too, learning about putting on the armor of God, being dressed for battle, and it's such an encouraging passage of Scripture. And we're wrapping it up today talking about how our one weapon in this battle is God's word. The sword of the spirit is the word of God, uh, the apostle Paul tells us. And so we're going to talk all about God's word today as our one weapon in this battle. But I thought as a cool way to kind of illustrate how far reaching God's word is, we would start out doing a little something different. Because the Bible has been translated into more than 2,500 languages. It's the most translated book in history. It's reached all around the world. And I think sometimes we have such a small view of what God's doing. We're just picturing people worshiping and singing and reading the scripture just in our own language. But English didn't even exist at the time the Bible was written. And so sometimes it's nice just to be reminded that, hey, all over the world, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are worshiping and learning in other languages. So we're going to start out today uh, with helping us being able to appreciate and even learn perhaps some scripture in some other languages. We're going to open up Ephesians chapter 6, where we've been in this whole series, and beginning in verse 10, the passage about the armor of God, we're going to go through one verse at a time, learning them in a new language, and then we'll go back and hear them all in English as well. So I'm so thankful for my multilingual friends right here, starting with Corey. That's right, Corey, he's a drummer at the creek, and... um, his heart is even bigger than his biceps. <laughs> like, where do you find shirts? Like, seriously, like, it's impressive. Let me get workout tips. And if that isn't enough, he's also multilingual. Because when I first saw him, I said, you know what? I bet that guy speaks German. And I was right. He was right. <laughs> and, all right, so hit us with verse 10 in German. Zuletzt, mein Bruder, seid stark in dem Herrn und in der Mark seiner Stärke. Man, perfect. Just how I would have said it. That's great. <laughs> Now we've got Susan. This is maybe the kindest woman in this whole church. If you don't know Sue, get to know her. She's amazing. My kids call her Church Grammy. And um, she is going to read to us the next verse in Mandarin. Thank you, Susan. That was beautiful. And next we have Kiki reading us the next verse in Spanish, Espanol. Porque nuestra lucha no es contra seres humanos, sino contra poderes, contra autoridades, contra potestades que dominan este mundo de tinieblas, contra fuerzas espirituales malignas en las regiones celestiales. Muy mm. perfecta, mi amiga, gracias. Sin presión, David. Now, if she seems like a pro, it's because she was actually a news anchor in Mexico, true? True. Es la verdad. <laughs> I mean, she's a, a celebrity. We got so much talent up here. Next, we got my man, Josh. Who lived in Europe and speaks so many languages. It's too much talent for one person. But I, we chose Italian for today. All right. So hit us with the next verse in Italian. Perciò prendete la completa armatura di Dio affinché possiate resistere nel giorno malvagio e restare in piedi 
dopo aver compiuto tutto il vostro dovere. Man, Now, that was good, yeah. Now I want some lasagna. Yes. And he's the godfather of the creek right here, guys. It's him. Thank you, Josh. That was beautiful. Next we have Emily, and she's a linguist in the military and is going to read to us in Arabic, which is one of the languages where the Christians around the world who speak this language, many of them are oppressed, having to worship in, in secret because of the laws of this country. So it's just a reminder when we hear some of these languages like Mandarin and, and Arabic that we be praying for our brothers and sisters around the world who are in these parts of the world where they don't have the freedom to worship as we do. So Emily, get, you tell us the next verse in Arabic, please. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much. My man, Ben, are you a senior this year? Yeah, I am. All right, all right. Go class of 2024. Yeah. Now, Ben does so much around here. He is on the tech team. He's as a photographer. He volunteers in so many ways and is just great in this church. And you're usually behind the scenes, but I'm so thankful you're out front today. And you're also behind the scenes. He's working double duty. So he yep. came out from behind the scenes to do this today. Yeah. So Ben, who was, who was born in China, hit us with that next verse in Mandarin. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. How do you say thank you in Mandarin? Did I get that right? Close enough? Thank you so much. All right. Next, Carl with Hebrew, the, le- the language of the Old Testament. So the entire Old Testament was written in, in Hebrew. And every word of the Bible was written by Jewish people, so people who knew Hebrew. And so hit us with uh, this next verse in Hebrew. It's good stuff. All right. And last but not least, we got James wrapping up 20 years of military service as a linguist. He's part of our team here at Stevens Creek now. We're so honored to have you. And um, he's going to wrap it up in Greek. Now, Greek was the language these words were originally written in. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, as most of the New Testament was written, it was written in Greek. So, hit us with the original language, my friend. Kaitain perikephalion tu soteriu dexaso, kaitain makarion tu punumatas haestin chrematheu. Man, that was good. And he knows Hebrew. And he's single, ladies. <laughs> Can we put James's phone number up on the screen real quick? Uh, just text the number Marty gave you earlier, but instead of connect, text single, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get it to James. <laughs> I love you so much, man. Hey, how about a hand for these amazing people? Thanks. They were amazing. Give them a hand. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ah, uh, that was so good, guys. I feel so cultured, and you've taught us stuff, and it's just amazing. It's a reminder, too, that, you know, God's, God's Word is, is on the move everywhere. And, and I thank you to our friends who gave their whole morning to be at every service to, to read for us. It's so good to see you guys. Uh, before we dive in, did you have a nice Thanksgiving? Look how tired you are. How much turkey did you have? You're like, yeah, yeah. You know, it was not, well, you all look great. I mean, we're all a little bit fatter, but that's fine. It's fine. There's a lot of feasting in the Bible. I say, I say, don't even trust skinny Christians. You know, they're not eating enough. It's good to eat. I had a great Thanksgiving in Kentucky. Thanksgiving in Kentucky is different, though. It's like, it, it's, it's just different. Our families are very unique, we'll say. We love them very much. But have you ever been at a family gathering and looked around the room and just thought, how am I related to these people? 
Or maybe you've thought, would I hang out with anyone here if we weren't related? Or, and they're thinking that about you probably. And then the conversations that we have at Thanksgiving are so interesting because sometimes you don't see these people but once a year. And for some people, that's not nearly enough. For some people, it's more than enough, right? Uh, that once a year is you're, you're kind of catching up with them. I love catching up with relatives. I remember talking to Uncle Tommy this year. And Uncle Tommy, he's, he's a character. And I was, he was like, hey, Dave, what's new? And I'm like, well, I'm telling him what's new. You know, like, well, I've got a kid in college now. And I've got another one's a junior in high school. And two, you know, the two youngest ones are doing great. And they're playing sports and having fun. And, and Ashley's doing a master's degree program in biblical counseling. She's almost finished. I'm so proud of her. I'm giving just kind of life updates because I haven't seen him in a year. And just those are the sort of things you share with someone that you haven't seen in a year. And so then I asked him, Uncle Tommy, What's new with you? And I'm expecting him to tell me about his grandchild that was born a few months ago or what's happening at work or anything like that. But no, the the one fact he thought I needed to know from his previous year was that he said, well, I got my nipple pierced this year. You want to see it? No, no, Uncle Tommy. What a grotesque image that is. Why? Why would you do that? And then why would you think that that's the one fact from the previous year that I needed about your life? But that's, this is the kind of things we get to think. Uncle Tommy, by the way, full disclosure, is on Ashley's side of the family. <laughs> Every man in her family is named Tom. There's, there's Thomas, Uncle Tommy, Big Tommy, Tom Tom, Little Tommy, Thomas. It's like, there are more names, guys. There are more names. But you never have to wonder what somebody's name is. Just use a variation of Tom or Thomas and it's going to be right. So, um, so that's what's happening in our family. We've got a new nipple piercing and we have, um, uh, everybody's doing well. Do I make any of this up? Okay, there we go. This is our, I just have to share it with somebody. No, I, this is like therapy for me. I just need to talk to someone about it. We're so glad you guys are here. Whatever family you come from, whatever your Thanksgiving was like, we're just glad you're here and you're part of this family. And, and as we enter into the Christmas season, I know that um, it, there's a lot of excitement and anticipation, and, and here at the Creek especially, it's a beautiful time, it's wonderful, there's decorations and festivities and traditions, and, and we celebrate the best news ever, Jesus has come, and we say it's the most wonderful time of the year, and it is, and it certainly can be, but, but what we don't talk about enough maybe is that it's also a really difficult time for a lot of people, and if you're here today and you're thinking, man, everybody's life looks like a Hallmark movie except for mine, we just want you to know, first off, nobody's life looks like a Hallmark movie but we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're here in whatever difficulty and discouragement and pain that you're facing. This is a safe place for you to be able to, to worship even when your heart's broken. And what you need to know about the Christmas season is that calling it the most wonderful time of the year isn't completely accurate. What I think it is is the most amplified time of the year. So the good in your life is amplified and feels even better at Christmas. The blessings feel even more blessed. But what we don't talk about enough is that the discouraging parts of your life feel even harder at Christmas, that the relational strain in your family feels more broken, the financial pressure feels even more intense, the disappointments feel even harder. And, and if you're feeling that way, just know that, that you're not alone. There's nothing weird about you. That's, that's just what this season tends to bring. But I encourage you, whether you're on top of the world this season or you're, you're really in a valley, to, to come every single week through the Christmas season because... This is a safe place for you to worship, to celebrate the good, to, to grieve what's hard in your life and to let God meet you in all of it. And he will. He promises to, to be there with us in, in, in the moments, the highs and the lows. And we need each other. Don't isolate yourself. We need one another. 
Uh, and so let this, let this be uh, an important part of how you, you celebrate Christmas, especially for those who are hurting, because I think it's going to be a real encouragement to you each week. And we're so glad you're here today as we wrap up this series on the armor of God. And, and I've enjoyed this series. I hope that you have too. Um, being ready for life's battles. And if you've got your Bible with you, go ahead and open it up to Ephesians chapter 6. It's where we've been all month, and it's where we're going to end out today. You just heard it in multiple languages, and we'll dive back into the Scripture in just a second. But the, the one principle, if you're following along in the notes, that has tied this whole series together is this principle. That it's that God has given us everything we need to win life's spiritual battles. God didn't send us into life's battles unprepared and unarmed. He says, no, I got everything you need. Now, the Apostle Paul is the man who wrote these words, and it was through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But, but Paul, when he wrote this, was writing a letter to his friends. And it's called Ephesians because he was writing to the church in a town called Ephesus, and people who lived in Ephesus are called Ephesians. And so he's writing to them because they were essentially his home church. Ephesus was a big modern city in the Roman Empire that had a, a strong economy. There was a lot of money, but there was a lot, of, a lot of sin too. There was idolatry. There was legalized prostitution and a whole bunch of sexual brokenness. Um, there was a lot of the problems there that frankly, you know, we're still wrestling with 2,000 years later. And when these, these people came, started coming to faith in Christ and a church was born, they realized they had to live differently than how they had lived. They had to live differently than the culture around them was living. And, and Paul, who had lived with them, for multiple years to get this church started is now writing them, knowing that he'll probably never see them again. Paul's ultimately, he's under house arrest in Rome at this point. He's going to give his life as a martyr executed for his faith. He's not worried about that because he has an eternal perspective. And so he's like, you know, every day I live is for Jesus. And once I die, I'm with him with ever. So I, I win either way, but I want to make the most of my time left on earth. And I want to use this time to write you guys and let you know that you're ready for life's battles, but there are battles and just like we just sang, we're fighting a battle that God's already won, and we have to keep that perspective. We know how the story ends, and you might face some hardships in this life. You might even have your life cut short, but ultimately we win through Christ. And we have a real enemy, though, that's going to try to discourage you and distract you, and you can't let him. You've got to be ready for those battles. And so Paul writes these words, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So he's letting us know, you know, who the enemy is and what the enemy's strategy is. And most of the armor of God is, is defense against that. You know, the helmet, the, 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 breastplate of righteousness, you know, all that, that's a defensive thing. But we have one weapon in this, and that's what we're going to talk about today, and it's God's Word. God's Word is our weapon, our one weapon in spiritual battles. God's Word never fails. Paul ends this section writing to the Ephesians, and he says this, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So after you're dressed for battle, take that sword. It's, it's our one weapon, and we can't go into life unarmed. We need it with us. This isn't the only place God's word is referred to as a sword. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between sword and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. So the, the Bible is a book that not only do we read, but it's a book that reads us. 
And, and this happens to me all the time. I'm, I'm reading the Bible. It might be a section that I've read a hundred times, but all of a sudden it'll hit me that, oh my goodness, I'm going through this right now. And something I've read over and over comes to life in a new way. And that's the Holy Spirit taking the living word of God and applying it to our lives in that moment and making it fresh for us. Something that, that, that has existed and been timeless from the moment that God's word was created, it becomes fresh and new to us every time that we read it and allow the Holy Spirit to really, really speak to us. And that's why it never gets old or it shouldn't get old because we should have a hunger daily to go after it and say, Lord, show me, show me what, what I need to keep doing. Give me the encouragement where I'm feeling beat down and I need to be reminded who I am in you. Give me correction, God, when I get out of line and I, I'm going down a path that's not good for me. You know, give me that, that correction as a loving father does because sometimes a loving father has to give discipline. And when we're open to God's instruction and we build our lives on a foundation of it, we're gonna be ready for whatever life throws our way. Jesus said, we're all building our lives on something. We're all building our lives either on a foundation of a solid rock, which is his word, his truth, or we're building our lives on this foundation of, of shifting sand, meaning just following your truth, you know, whatever that means. That's what the culture says. Man, there's not all really truth. There's just your truth and my truth and whatever you want and whatever you feel and follow your heart and all of that. And that's just shifting sand. Like nobody can build a life on that. It's not sturdy. It's not solid. But God says, Here, here's my word, which is unchanging. And if you'll fasten your life to it, if you'll build your life on a foundation of God's word, it will stand the test of time. And you're still gonna have storms. There's still gonna be storms because we live in a broken world. Following Jesus isn't, isn't a guarantee that life's gonna go perfect. It, it's not. Jesus said, in this world, you have troubles. Jesus lived a perfect life and he was still crucified. There are gonna be troubles in this life, but when we're doing it with Jesus, we can have victory even in those painful moments. He's never gonna leave us or forsake us. He's gonna give us perspective and strength for every step of the journey. And he wants that for you. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have joy. He doesn't want you to settle for a life of chaos and confusion like most of the world lives. He, you know, he, he wants more for you. And, and his word is, is the foundation for it. All throughout history, God's word has, has shaped nations and it's shaped leaders and civilizations. And even today, the, the freest and most prosperous nations on earth are ones that have their foundation in being rooted in God's word. And there's so many quotes from you know, leaders and thinkers throughout history about the Bible. I picked out just, just a few to kind of, just to give us a little bit of perspective. Things that were said about the Bible. George Washington said, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without the Bible. Abraham Lincoln said, but for this book, we could not know right from wrong. I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. One of the greatest scientific thinkers of all time, Sir Isaac Newton, said, we account the scriptures of God to be the most sublime philosophy. I find more sure marks of authenticity in the Bible than in any history whatsoever. One of the greatest authors of all times, Charles Dickens, said, it is the best book that ever was or ever will be in the world. Dr. Charles Mayo, for whom the Mayo Clinics are named, said, in sickness or in health, one can find comfort and constructive advice in the Bible. Helen Keller, who was blind and had to read the Bible in Braille, said, in the Bible, I find a confidence mightier than the utmost evil. And Martin Luther King Jr., talking about the importance of seeking out every single word of God's truth, said, if you picture the Bible to be a mighty tree and every word a little branch, I have shaken every one of those branches because I wanted to know what it was and what it meant. Realizing that every word of the Bible is so valuable and I just wanna, I wanna, I wanna savor it, I wanna know it. 
Yet we as Christians, you know, we have this amazing tool. Throughout history, people have died so that we can have access to this tool. For centuries in, in England, in the, in the middle centuries, it was illegal to translate the Bible into English because, you know, they, they, wanted, they didn't want people to have access to the, to the truth. And people like William Tyndall, you know, heroes of the faith who translated the Bible so that common people like us could read it. He was burned at the stake for the sin of just making the Bible available to people. There are so many stories like that throughout history where we can have the access to, to God's word that we have today. And yet, most of us, myself included, we take that for granted. You know, if you looked at like a pie chart of how I spend my day and, you know, the, the sliver of time I spend on social media and there's a sliver of time over here for Netflix and all these other things. And, and the Bible sliver is never as big as it should be. And, and yet I keep going to these other things just for dis, dis, distraction or entertainment that can't fill me up and can't shape me and lead me in a positive way the way God's word can. And, and I, bet, I bet you have that same problem if we looked at like a pie chart of, of your days. But the time we spend in God's word is never wasted time. It is always so relevant, so practical. And if it seems like daunting to you, like I don't know where to start or I, I start reading the Bible and I, it doesn't make sense to me, there are so many tools to help you with that. There's so many tools. There, there's a free Bible app called YouVersion, Y-O-U version. You can download it on your phone. It has easy to follow Bible reading plans, devotionals, um, the Bible in different translations, you know, some, some that are much, much easier to understand because it's written in very modern English. But get something that you can understand because Jesus, he was, teach, he was teaching in the language of the people. I mean, a language that everybody can understand, and that's what he wants for us now. He doesn't want it to be over our heads. So get a hold of those tools, and then just commit. Commit to reading. Maybe start with just five minutes a day, guys. You'd be amazed at, at what starting your day with just five minutes in the Bible can do to sort of reset your mind for the day. Instead of starting with social media or starting with the news and all the chaos of what's happening in the world, start with God's Word. Say, Lord, I want to start with you. I, I want to I want you to speak to me before all the chaos of the world starts speaking to me. And there's so much benefit to us when we, when we do that, when we just make that a, a commitment and a priority. And, and if you don't remember anything else from this sermon, then I hope maybe that one challenge will stick with you. That like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the Bible every day, five minutes a day. Start with that, maybe build on that. I can do that, you can do that, five minutes a day. Lifeway Research did a, a survey on some of the benefits long-term of reading the Bible. And LifeWay found that for people who read the Bible at least four times a week, these were the changes that they noticed in their life. Feeling of loneliness dropped by 30%. Anger dropped by 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped by 40%. Alcoholism dropped by 57%. Sex outside of marriage dropped by 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant or stuck dropped by 60%. Viewing pornography dropped by 61%. Sharing your faith jumped by 200%. Discipling others, which just essentially means coming alongside someone and reading the Bible together and, and applying, applying it together, being disciplined together, that jumped by 230%. So only good things happen when we're consistently putting God's word within us. But when we're starving ourselves of God's word, it, Jesus said we need daily bread. If we're not getting daily bread, if we're starving ourselves of God's word, then spiritually we're walking around and, and physically we might feel strong on the outside, but inwardly, we don't have the strength for, for the battles that we're gonna face. So we need God's word. One of the main reasons we need God's word is this, God's word always points us back to Jesus. And we, we can't do life, we can't do eternity without Jesus. 
The Bible's broken up into, into two main sections. You got the Old Testament, which is the time before Jesus, and then the New Testament, which starts with the four Gospels. They're, they're individual stories, biographies of Jesus and his teachings, and then the rest of the New Testament. So in some ways, there are three sections of the Bible. He is coming, he is here, he is coming back, and here's what we need to do to get ready for that. So the Gospels are the he is here section. And the very first words of the Gospel of John, telling the story of Jesus, tells us about how Jesus is the embodiment of the Word of God. So he says this, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed from the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Then John lets us know that he's talking about Jesus there. Jesus is the Word, the living, breathing Word of God, who didn't start existing when he was born in Bethlehem, but has preexisted all of creation. He, he always was God, always was with God. And then he came into our world in the form of a baby and lived, lived a life. But that's not when he started. He's, he's always been. And now when we read the word, the Bible put together for us, when we're reading the word, it's pointing us straight back to Jesus because he's the embodiment of the word. So when we're reading the word, we're, you're never closer to Jesus than when you're in the word. When you're opening up the word, you're reading and saying, Lord, speak to me, show me what you're doing, show me where I need to follow you, show me what you're, where you're at work, show me what you're doing in my life and how I need to respond to it. You're gonna know him more the more that you're in his word. You know, one of my heroes in the faith is, uh, is an uncle named uh, Great Uncle Joe. He's, he's an amazing man. He's like 80 years old. Um, to the best of my knowledge, his nipples are not pierced. Uh, but he's, he's a great guy. <laughs> Just seeing if you're awake. Um, Joe's a great guy. He loves Jesus. He got saved when he was 17 years old. Um, and it changed his life. I mean, he just, he just dove in. Now, what you need to know about Uncle Joe is that he's a hardworking guy, but he's a simple guy. He never had much education. He was raised on a farm. Uh, and he has a, a fairly severe speech impediment. So sharing the gospel is always a little bit intimidating to him because he's kind of hard to understand and he's self-conscious about that. But he loves Jesus so much, he can't keep quiet. And so he said, well, this is how I talk and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be me. And he started going on the radio and these rural radio stations and the farm communities where he was and sharing the gospel. He, he preached at a little country church and everywhere that he goes, he's just telling people about Jesus in, in just the most normal, joyful way. And it's infectious. He's usually wearing a t-shirt that says, Jesus loves you. That's just who he is. Well, there've been many stories through the years of people coming to faith through Uncle Joe, just sharing the gospel with them. And uh, one of my favorite stories is the story of, of a, a man in his community that was so far from God, nobody thought he'd ever come. And this, this is how it happened. Uncle Joe was reading the Bible one night and he came across the Great Commission, which is the final words Jesus spoke, the end of the Gospel of Matthew before Jesus ascended back into heaven. And the Great Commission said, you know, all authority's been given to me, therefore go into all the world, preach the Gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and know I'm with you always to the end of the age. So, Uncle Joe's like, yeah, you know, we need to go into all the world, preach, that's good stuff. Then he flipped to another part where Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. And then he flipped to another part that was talking about reaching the lost and how God has a heart that, that all should be saved and come to repentance. And, 
And Joe started feeling convicted, like, you know, I need to reach the lost, but I don't know. I don't know where to go to reach him. Because Joe's thinking, well, if, if, you, if we're called to reach the lost, not, not get them to come to us, not just get them to show up in a church. He said, go to them. And as he started praying, well, Lord, who do I know that's lost? And he thought about the one guy in town that everybody agreed was lost. And it's this fella, nobody knew his first name, but everybody called him Jughead. Now, Jughead had married a stripper and started a bar called the Red Fox out of the edge of town. And the Red Fox was the one part of town where you went if you wanted to sin. I mean, they just... It's where characters went to get into trouble. And so Uncle Joe didn't go there. That wasn't his scene. But everybody knew of the Red Fox. And the town was small enough that that everybody knew Jughead too. And Uncle Joe realized, well, that's where Jughead would be right now. And he's somebody that needs to know Jesus loves him and has a plan for his life. So I I ought to go there and tell him. So he told his wife. Joe said, honey, I'm going to go down to the Red Fox. She goes, what? He said, no, don't worry. I'm I'm just going to talk to Jughead. So he... He went down there and he walked in. And as you can imagine, Jughead was surprised to see the preacher walk in. And Jughead said, preacher, man, Joe, what are you doing here? Man, let me get you a drink. He said, well, Jughead, I'm not here for a drink. I just came to talk to you. He said, what do you want to talk to me about? And Joe said, well, I was reading my Bible earlier tonight and I got to thinking about you. And Jughead said, I bet you did. You're probably reading about hell, thinking that's where Jughead's going. And Joe said, no. No, actually, I was thinking that I needed to apologize to you. And that got Jughead's attention. He said, why would you want to apologize to me? And he said, well, Jughead, I've known you a long time. And I got to thinking as I was reading the Bible that, you know, God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins, that we put our faith in him, we could be with him forever. And it's the best news the world's ever known. But people don't know that good news unless somebody tells them. And somebody told me that when I was just 17 years old and it changed my life. But I got thinking about you and I said, you know, I I wonder if anybody's ever told that to Jughead before. I mean, I know you've had people that that claim to be Christians that tell you you're going to hell or tell you that you're doing a bunch of stuff wrong. But had anybody ever told you that Jesus loves you, that he has a plan for you, that he wants to be with you forever? And no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, You give your life to him and and you could be what the Bible calls born again. You get a brand new start and it's one that lasts forever because then you're in God's family. And you got a special place in that family that nobody else could have. And God loves you so much that he went to all of that just so you could be with him. And and I just thought, you know, I, I can't believe I haven't told that to Jughead before. So I came tonight to apologize and and to make sure that you knew that Jesus loved you and had a plan for your life. And he he looked up at Jughead and Jughead had tears in his eyes. He said, is all that true that God loves me? I mean, I messed up. And Joe said, we're all messed up. God loves you more than you can imagine. So then Joe looked at him and said, Jughead, you want to give your life to Jesus right now? And Jughead said, okay. And Joe, instead of leading him into prayer, said, well, just do this. Why don't you just pray? Just use whatever words you want. And, uh, and ask Jesus to come into your life. Jughead said, oh, I've never prayed before. He said, it's all right, it's easy. You're just talking to your, to your father, your best friend. He, you don't have to be fancy. So they both bowed their heads and Jughead started praying. Just an honest prayer. Talking about stuff he'd done wrong. You know, he mixed in some cuss words. 
He asked Jesus to come into his life and save him. Right there at the bar. So Joe gave Jughead a Bible. He went home and started reading it. Started sharing it with his wife. And his wife got saved. And then the two of them, praying and talking and reading the Bible, they said, you know, I don't think God would want us running a bar anymore. Let's close it down and start a church. So they closed the bar, and they started a church. And you wouldn't believe it. All the people that used to come to the bar started coming to the church. All these, yeah, exactly. You give them a hand for that. They all realized that they had a place. They were all misfits in God's family, and yet we were meant to be in this family. They found a place. They found a hope. And, and Jughead's still a pastor. Uncle Joe's still, still sharing the gospel with anybody that'll listen. And when I'm around Uncle Joe, it, it challenges me and inspires me to, to actually put the Bible into action. Because I'm so guilty sometimes of reading the Bible and thinking, yeah, man, somebody should do that. But Uncle Joe reads it and says, I, I should do that. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. This is to me. This is to you. We, we, have, we need to do this. And then when we really do it, then God shows up in the most supernatural ways. And we get to be part of it. That's what God wants for your life. So in just a minute, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to wrap up the sermon and the series. And, and we're going to celebrate just, just singing through that, that chorus a couple more times about how Jesus is fighting a battle we've already won. And we, we can leave in victory in that. But before we get there, I just want to pray. I want to pray maybe for anybody out here who just like Jughead hadn't yet made the decision to follow Jesus. And maybe nobody's ever explained it that clearly. But today can be your day. Today can be your day to say, yeah, Jesus, save me. And he will, and it's a moment that changes everything. And for all of us, whether you prayed that prayer decades ago or you're just doing it today for the first time, we can collectively recommit to saying, God, whatever you have for us, we're in. And we want to build our lives on a foundation of your word. Starting right now, God, your word's our priority. Your word is our guide. And he will never steer us wrong. It is our sword to help us win every single battle that we're going to face. So let's stand together as we pray. I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for giving us your word, God, this timeless, living, breathing guide through life that can, that can steer us in the right direction. Thank you, Lord, that every word points us right back to you, Jesus. And I pray for anyone here, anybody watching online that doesn't yet know you, help them, Lord, just like Jughead did those decades ago, know that you love them personally so much that you sent Jesus to die for their sins. And that through faith in him, we could be made alive, adopted into your family forever. And if that's a decision you wanna to make today, then in your own words, just pray a prayer like this. Jesus, save me today. Forgive me of the way that I've lived. Make me into the person I was meant to be. Adopt me into your family. I give you my past, my present, and my future. My life's in your hands. And God, for all of us, we celebrate along with heaven those new brothers and sisters who entered your family today. And we together commit, Lord, to, to living for you, to building our lives on a foundation of your word and to sharing that word with the world that desperately needs it. Not in a way that's judgmental, but in a way that's full of love and full of, of authenticity that will point them right back to you, Jesus, because you're the only one who can save. We thank you and we love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand for his goodness and his love? Thank you. Thank you, Lord.
Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.